0: values and strong opinions the Mike Broomhead show KTAR news 923 FM and the KTAR news app and hey, thanks for being here appreciate you as always spending some time with the show Interesting conversation happening now about the economy is now the White House is recognizing their issues in the economy but saying that Republicans would make it worse. And so that's always going to be the battle lines. We have to decide as voters who is best equipped to get us out of the hole that we have, we are in. The battle was for a long time. Are we even falling into a hole? There's no longer a question about that. We are definitely falling into a hole. Um, and there's a couple of things I want to talk about on the economy. Uh, the president of the United States made some comments um, we're going to get to in a few moments. But um, the president – let's start with gas prices. I want to start with the president and gas prices. Here is what President Biden said about gas prices. The most common price right now in America is $3.39 a gallon. It's going to come down more. And they're going to come down even further when gas companies, when the oil companies agree to our demand, my demand, to pass on the savings from the price of a barrel oil, which is considerably down, to the pump. So it's interesting that um, they're talking about gas prices going down. They remain very high. Fuel oil remains very high. But the president of the United States came out with a plan talking about getting rid of fees. Which, is that a good thing? Possibly. I just don't understand how this is an economic savior of the country. It is, again, going after private industry. It is, again, demonizing private industry. You know, and a lot of this stuff, it's hard to defend when you talk about airline tickets or you talk about concert fees. If you go to some of the sites to buy concert tickets, by the time you pay for the ticket and then you pay for all the fees and then you pay the convenience fee or the fee to print the ticket or whatever else, it is interesting to, to look at that and say, how is it possible that 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 it's a bad thing for them to try to change this. Well, I don't know if it's within their purview or not. But in the end, what we want is we want people to be able to afford things. Well, going after and trying to regulate what you can charge and what you can't, those companies will find a different way to charge that that money. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. I want you to hear what they're talking about with consumer spending, because the, cons- the GDP increased Went up. They're saying it may or may not be a permanent thing, but I want you to hear them talk about this. this. is Rebecca Jarvis on ABC.
1: The American consumer continues to spend money, and consumers are the engine of the U.S. economy. Meantime, there are areas showing weakness. For example, the housing market has been declining in light of rising interest rates from the Federal Reserve. That makes mortgages more expensive and home buying more expensive. Many economists are still forecasting a mild and short recession next year.
0: A mild and short recession next year. That, again, that's the part that gets people laughing. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it whatever you want. I want you to hear the president's solution. Is this a solution to the problem, or is this a gimmick to try to show the American people you're doing something? Will this have any kind of serious effect on what you and I spend? Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look,
1: folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair, and they hit marginalized Americans, the hardest, especially low-income
0: folks and people of color. They benefit big corporations not consumers <laughs> how do they affect people of color what are you talking about I mean do they maybe I don't know this maybe this is something because because I'm a Caucasian male maybe I didn't realize this maybe if you're a different color than white they charge you more money for t- somehow the airlines know that so they charge you more when you buy an airline ticket you're going to pay a lot more money for first class than you pay for coach. And you're going to pay more money in areas where there's more legroom. That's what, and I've never known, I've never seen it where you don't know that ahead of time. Maybe I'm wrong about that too. When I log in and I look for airline tickets, I look and see what the tickets are going to cost in first class, in business class and in coach. I look to see what the upgrade is if I'm if I'm in a coach seat. You can do the same thing. You can get in a row. They tell you right there for an extra $59, you can have more legroom and somewhere else. It's, I don't I don't see how this is a solution to the problem. The concert tickets and the fees. All of these things, I don't understand how this is fixing our economic problems. I I don't this the idea that this White House and this is what's scary to me about it, because again, talking to my friends that have come from places like Venezuela or have come from places like Cuba, where the government demonizes private industry, you look, go and read. What Venezuela has done since the days of Hugo Chavez going back 20 years or so, go and look what the Venezuelan government did to private industry. And it all starts with demonization. Profit is a word that we shouldn't use. It's an evil word. And then, no, 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 we don't think you should be able to make a profit. But we want to talk about what's reasonable. So here, let's do that. Let's talk about what's reasonable. Um, A corporate baron, a CEO, is making um, millions of dollars a year running a corporation, while the people that work for that corporation make almost nothing. What's interesting, how about on a movie set? Do you think George Clooney is making just a little bit more than somebody that's working behind the scenes on the crew? Absolutely. In, In the sports world, the Phoenix Suns, you look at the hundreds of millions of dollars the players on the team make and the millions of dollars the coaches make. You think the people that clean up after the game is over, the people that run the concession stands are making huge amounts of money? No. What's the difference? The money makers for the organization make a ton of money, and the other support staff are, are respected. They are paid a fair wage, but they are not going to pay them millions of dollars, and it translates across the board. You don't like it in the oil companies. You don't like it in the airlines. You don't like it in major corporations in America, but it's like that in every industry that's out there, every single industry that's out there. When you are a movie star, you command millions of dollars because people come and see your movies. There are other people that are in the movie with you that are making a basic wage based on whatever the, uh, the Screen Actors Guild says is the minimum you have to pay them. And that's how it works. And as your consistency and popularity grows, you can command more money. That's just how life works in every industry. But they want to demonize corporate America. They're going to demonize profit. No one has ever said, are you kidding me in this economy? We're not going to cut the NFL players' pay. We're not going to cut basketball players' pay so tickets are more affordable for families. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? We got this movie. Top Gun just came out. Tom Cruise shouldn't be making all that money. Tom Cruise should cut the amount of money that he makes on a movie so that tickets to see his movie are more affordable. We should slash prices when we want to buy or rent those movies now on the on the streaming sites. Where's that argument? And it isn't. It doesn't exist, but it exists going after corporate America. It just, it's just an absurd thing to do to demonize, to demonize cor- corporate America, the job creators. I just don't think it's the right thing to do. You are dividing the country between the haves and the have-nots, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, and you're the solution. It It's not fair and it's not right. How contentious has American politics become? So shifting from this economic battle to how contentious has it become and is it driving people away from the process? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Interesting headline today, why Americans are concealing their true political beliefs, and it's interesting. I've been feeling the effects of this myself recently with some of the uh, conversations that I've been having with people, and I, I don't quite understand. I, I'll be honest. I don't. I, I, get to, I don't get discouraged. Usually I talk about social media, and I don't, I don't really pay attention because it, it just, it, there is just a landslide of what people will say anonymously. Um, I got an email from someone yesterday. Uh, No idea who this person is. Uh, They emailed me and the, the entire the this is the entirety of the email. You're an idiot. That was it. No explanation as to why I'm an idiot, but just that I'm an idiot. So, of course, I responded. With, you know, what a well thought out argument that was for whatever. And they were coming after me because I equated Hillary Clinton saying 2024 is going to be stolen by the Republicans with Donald Trump saying 2020 was stolen by the Democrats. And I'm an idiot for that. But the entirety of his first email just said, You're an idiot. That's American politics today. You're not wrong. You're an idiot. You're not wrong. You're evil. You're dangerous. That's the other one. You're dangerous. These ideas are dangerous. They're not only are the Republicans going to steal 2024, they hatched a plan along with the right wing run. Supreme Court is dangerous. Our democracy is in danger. That's the argument. It, it's not right or wrong anymore. Now it's dangerous. You have to be stopped for the good of the country. I want you to hear a little bit. This is uh, the Daily Blast discussion, part of this, about why Americans hide their true political beliefs.
1: It's a new study. What I was referring to says that a lot of Americans are actually hiding their true political beliefs. In public, they're appearing to be more extreme than their privately held views. And the reason why is a pressure to fit into popular
0: culture and
1: their party's own platforms.
0: And people just don't want to fight. We all have family members like this. We all have friends that are like this, that they are whatever the issue is, whether it's a political issue or it's a social issue or it's a sports team for that matter. We all know people that are so invested in something that you can't start a conversation with them or get involved in a conversation with them because, A, it never ends, and, B, it ends up getting contentious. And people just don't want to do that. I think people love debate. I know they do. I've made a living at it it for 15 years, Well, almost 15 years, and it is an interesting way to make a living debating people. I love the conversation. I really do, but I don't want to talk to people that are so sold out to a candidate, to a political ideology, to a social issue, whatever it is. Do you really believe in your mind, do you really believe Now, when I use the term people of color, it's because it's anybody that's not Caucasian. Do you really believe that the majority of people of color are so viewing the world through the prism of racism that everything is about racism or is that the activists that you see? All of us, I believe all of us, know and are friends with someone or with people that are gay, do you really believe that they are activists to the degree that we see what's happening? I actually know two people in my, in my world in the last 15 years or so that are trans. They're not activists. As a matter of fact, they want to be left alone to live their lives. But the activists get all the attention. And those are the people that are driving people away from any kind of a discussion on a topic. When you are so entrenched in an ideology, in an idea, in a cause, that you are so rancorous, that anybody that doesn't agree with you is dangerous and is uh, evil and is heartless and all of these things, there's a problem and that's what this study is talking about. This study talks about people actually hiding their ideology. Younger people in bigger in bigger numbers are actually a little bit more conservative, especially when they become young parents, are a little bit more conservative in their views, but they certainly aren't going to say it to their friends because then the conversation and the arguments happen. I love the conversation with that. I have conversations with people I disagree with every single day. One of the most fun times we have in the morning is when I sit down with the producer, Julia, and we Sit in the in the office and we talk about the show for the day. And when we disagree on a topic or a subject, it's a great debate. It's fun to talk about. We laugh with each other. We laugh at each other. And we have a good time with the debate. Neither one of us comes off of our position. But neither one of us hates the other one and thinks they're evil for theirs. That's what a debate is supposed to be. And we've come so far away from that. I, I, honestly, this guy, I've been exchanging emails with this guy, and he seems probably, I said, you're probably a really intelligent guy. But aren't you a little embarrassed that your first email to me just said, you're an idiot? I mean, spelling was correct. He used punctuation. You're an idiot. And I thought, okay, I, I, that's, that is American politics and the discussion of it in a nutshell. And that's why, you know, Twitter is popular for people to spew their hate and and all the things that they do. No common sense, no giving, no, um, no thought that possibly my side of the aisle might be wrong as well. Sometimes we might be guilty of doing the same thing on the other side of that coin. None of it. It is we are good. You are evil. And it happens on both sides. And that's why people get driven from the process. That's why people, even if they vote, don't want to talk about the process. Nobody wants to roll around in the mud like that. In a moment, we talk about the economy. The GDP grew in the third quarter, but is it good news? Experts are saying no, and I'll tell you why they're saying no, coming up in just a moment. Values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News Ninety Two Three FM and the KTAR News app. You know, even though I'm a trained professional broadcaster, I can't help but look at what's going on and say, you know, this is uh this is insane what we've come to. The arguing with the arguing on social media is fun. Uh, and we're gonna talk more today about the political um Backlash of having an opinion is um, discouraging as it is. It's one of the topics that uh, that I it is about for me about what's best for the country. My views may be different than yours, but the idea that somehow your views are more noble than mine is is a farce. It's it's not the right thing, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this right now. This this difference, what I mean. The GDP grew by 2.6% in the third quarter. And it said, while key segments remain resilient, economists are worried about a possible recession. Now, that's the Wall Street Journal. This isn't a right-wing newspaper or a left-leaning newspaper. This is the Wall Street Journal. These are the experts in economic growth. These are the people that make money in good times and bad times. And they are looking at this and saying, we are still in a lot of trouble. Adjusted for inflation, the growth was like 0.6%. It is a stagnant economy. This is not my words. These are the words of the experts. And this, for me, is what we should be looking at. Um, Rebecca Jarvis on ABC, an economist. I want you to hear Rebecca Jarvis talking about corporate spending.
1: On the one hand, Americans continue to spend, but on the other, in this world of rising interest rates, the housing market has been showing signs of weakness with mortgages getting more expensive. Business spending is also expected to slow down with companies like Google, Microsoft and Facebook in just the last 24 hours talking about the weakness they're experiencing.
0: So after falling in the first two quarters of 2022, prompting significant debate about whether the U.S. has entered a recession, GDP in the third quarter is predicted to grow at an inflation-adjusted rate of 2.3 percent annually, according to the Wall Street Journal survey. Economists, however, two economists since the spike, have mostly driven by trade trends and that are unlikely to persist. Here's the quote. Ordinarily, we think about increases in GDP as benefiting Americans, but that's not always the case. This is from the Heritage Foundation economist. A rough metaphor for the narrowing trade deficit is a consumer being too poor to shop somewhere. It looks like international trade slowed down considerably in the third quarter, hardly a sign of prosperity. So this is Rebecca Jarvis now saying, are we in a recession or not?
1: Three and a half percent unemployment is still near historic lows. And even though inflation makes consumers feel pessimistic, the jobs market tells economists that this economy is very likely not in recession yet.
0: But we are looming, and that's what they are talking about, what happens, what are we going to do. Um, Jim Ryan uh, talking about this from ABC, this may be a one-off. The Commerce Department's Bureau of Economic Analysis says the 2.6% surge in gross domestic product reflects increases in exports, consumer spending, and investment. But after two quarters of declines in the GDP, analysts are more than a little suspicious about such a dramatic increase. They fear that the latest number is less of a trend and more of a one-off. And I hope it's not. I'll be honest with you. I would love to come on here and say things are starting to roll again. We're getting back on track. People are not spending as much for things. People are not going into debt for the necessity. I would love to do that. People think I'm making that up. That's not true. I do not want to see America fail. I don't. But when we are in the situation we're in, I want to see our leaders adjust. I want to see our leaders make adjustments in the state of Arizona. I've talked about this so much, I feel like I'm being redundant. If you've heard me say this, I apologize. When the recession happened in 2008, 2009, in that, in that time period, um, Arizona was in the worst place per capita in debt. Our state budget was in peril. And it was then Governor Brewer and the legislature at the time that had to make the very, very difficult decisions on what needed to happen to balance the state's budget. And they made decisions that made everybody angry. She made Republicans angry. She made Democrats angry. She made independents angry. She, it, it, But it, things had to be done. History has been kind to Governor Brewer because a lot of those decisions she is now, and that legislature, I want to make sure I lump them together because they're forced to work together. The decisions that were made at that time Saved the economy of Arizona. As I've said before, they were the emergency room crew that saved the life of the patient and stabilized the patient. Once the patient was stable, a new governor came in, Governor Ducey. That governor was charged with rebuilding it or rehabilitating it. Now it was, let's get the patient healthy again. So what had to happen was lessons had to be learned about being one dimensional in our economy, about diversifying, about changing the tax structure and the things that needed to happen to entice and encourage business to the desert southwest. When you compared our income tax structure at the state level to the neighboring states with none like Nevada – or just down the road in Texas, and how they're doing things differently with no state income tax, and how they have bigger and more middle-income jobs because corporate headquarters and big companies are going there. And so we made those changes. We learned lessons. We looked at the economic situation and the economic landscape as a state, and then those legislatures, along with the governor's office and Governor Ducey, said, we've learned our lesson. We see what caused this. We as leadership have to make changes to adjust to what's happening in the economy. So my issue with what's going on right now in America is that we are not adjusting. There is not an adjustment that's happening for the current economic situation we're in. Your fault, not your fault, someone else's fault, Putin's price hike doesn't matter. You have to adjust. And we aren't adjusting properly. That's where the issue lies. Last thing I'll say on the economy, at least for now, because we're going to talk about it again a little bit later in the show, is there is still that impending, the possibility and growing stronger every day of a rail strike, which could cost billions of dollars every single day because goods cannot get across our country. So keep a very close eye on that. Coming up in a moment. Is there going to be another flood of migrants at our border before the election? One leader in another country says absolutely. We'll talk about that in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, the Eagles just announced they're returning to the Footprint Center March first, twenty 2023 for the Hotel California 2023 Tour. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you could win a pair by heading over to the contest page at KTAR.com. Um we have to talk about the border again now the interior minister for the nation of Guatemala is saying that they have warned the US they tried to help the US but we are in trouble because there is going to be a huge caravan I'm going to read this it said that the la- a, that a large caravans of migrants will try to get to the US in anticipation of the midterm elections Migrants who believe the midterm elections could end with Republicans taking back control of the Congress are heading to the U.S. border in large caravans. Guatemalan interior minister said this and said the migrants think that they have a a short window to make the trek because it may not be as easy to immigrate to the United States after the midterm elections with Republican lawmakers promising to beef up border security and tighten oversight. So perception is a big deal. And we all understand that this is part of the reason that people are coming is the perception is it's very easy to cross our border. It's very easy to stay. You're going to be here for an extended period of time. And there's a very good chance you will be granted asylum in the U.S. Now, that isn't necessarily true. Most people are sent back, but that's not what they're being told. That's not the perception. And we know that there are far too many people that are coming and doing what Happening. Uh, New York's migrant tent city is mostly empty a week after opening. Um, it opened last week for up to a thousand migrants and housing fewer than fifty people. Uh, border agents in Arizona find thirty-two migrants in a box truck. Two smugglers flee when the when they show up. Uh, but here's another one: hundreds of immigrants mainly from Central America, are at risk of losing their work permits after negotiation with the Biden administration to extend them broke down this week. More than 300,000 immigrants from El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Nepal are seeking in federal court to extend their temporary protected status, or TPS, uh, which most have held for decades. Immigrant lawyers at the Biden administration have been negotiating over family status since June of 2021. So we are short a workforce. And instead of us trying to fix this immigration system, how many times I've lamented and railed about this, we are short of a workforce here in the U.S. Now, what this recession will bring us, we don't know. Our needs for a workforce, we don't know. But what we have seen is great need in a workforce, and we've also seen a great number of people coming to our shores, well, figuratively speaking, coming to the United States, and they want to work. They want to improve their lives. And the argument from the president's side of this is that the people are coming in droves. This is what Corrine Jean-Pierre said the other day. That people are coming here now, and the reason is because of economic collapse in the countries they're from. That, you know, it's, it's circumstantial, which is is just not true. But that's their excuse, that now it's happening in greater numbers, not because of the policies of the Biden administration, but because of horrible economies where these people are from. If we had real change at the southern border, if we could get real Policy shifts at the southern border and it, and, and i don 't absolve the Congress either. The Congress has done nothing. Um, and what we could be doing is for a crafting legislation that says we are beefing up border security to make it clear to everyone. And it's not just security as far as agents and structure and technology or beefing our policy up to say this. If you come to the United States under false pretenses and you demand asylum and that asylum is denied, you will also be denied a work permit for a period of 12 or 18 months or whatever else before you can apply for one. So if you come here. And you make a false asylum claim, it's going to cost you. But if in you go to the U.S. Embassy or you go um, and you apply for a work permit to come to the United States and work in any one of these trades, any one of these areas, and it doesn't have to be that you are a skilled person. You don't have to have a college degree, but if there are jobs in the construction sector in the U.S. and other places, while we are filling in the gaps and trying to train young people and do all the things that we want to do, if in the meantime – You can fill one of those jobs. You make the application in your home country. You are given a visa and you can come to the U.S., which means you can cross the border legally, taking the pressure off the criminal element of this and the criminal investigators on the border. And in addition to that, you can legally send money back to your home country, easing those economic uh, downturns in those nations. It's a win for many people. It takes the pressure off border agents because now if you're crossing illegally, you're probably a criminal. You're probably someone coming here either bringing something illegal, going to steal something or commit crimes in the U.S. So they know that they can focus on that because if you have the work permit, you're crossing the border legally. You no longer have to sneak into the country in a box truck. You don't have to have coyotes bring you across the border. And so it, it takes the pressure off in that way as well. It helps border agents. I think that's huge. It would also help the economies of states like Arizona, whether it's agriculture or construction or the service industry, as well, these places where we are dramatically short on help. We could do these things together and get the border security we all want to make sure we don't have 98 people on the terror watch list mixed in that we've caught. Never mind the gotaways. We don't know who the people that got away are. And unless we start having these reasonable conversations, we are in serious trouble. This should be an asset. this immigration system in the u s should be an asset instead of a detriment, and it 's turned into a disaster and they 're predicting it 's going to get worse we 'll see i hope I hope they 're wrong. Coming up just after ten o 'clock, uh, Texas joins Arizona. In a key gun law, what is it and what will change in Texas? Will it be better or will it be worse? We'll talk about that in a few moments.